Welcome to the Evolution of Innovation podcast, supplying you with the tools and insights to access your business's full potential. All right, welcome to the Evolution of Innovation. My name is Sean Mader, and I'm excited to have my friend and colleague Hassan Green with me. Thanks for joining us today, Hassan. Thank you for having me. So I'll, I'll start off with a little uh, word about um, our relationship. You're in the human resources side of things. You're the founder of Human Labs, and you've just been a vocal, uh, progressive uh, thought leader in the human resources space well before COVID. And you and I have been having a lot of conversations since everything changed about how to really create resilient organizations, organizations that can innovate and be responsive and flexible. And what I've always loved about our conversations is that you're a strong advocate for creating strong human company cultures and at the same time being really innovative about how to bring in data to empower teams, empower leaders, which now with more remote workforces and a lot of new variables is probably now more important than ever. So um, given that we already had these conversations and a lot of changes happening before COVID happened, there was a lot of stuff you and I were already talking about and working on. Now we've got this crisis. I know a lot of that remains the same but there's probably some new variables that we have to deal with now. So I'm just kind of curious to hear from you. What, um, how have you seen all of this going and what do you kind of see some of the major trends that are happening and, and what would leaders really want to start to look at and implement to be resilient yeah. in these challenging times? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you touched on it briefly um, when you said companies are starting to do it already. Um, at least the progressive forward-thinking companies have started to take more of a people approach, more of a, a human-centric approach, um, such that in the uh, light of COVID-19, they weren't perhaps as scrambling mm-hmm. or uh, as um, unsure about how to respond to the crisis, right? Because those are the organizations that are have already started to become more uh, differentiated and more agile, more forward-thinking, more data-driven, right? Um, and so what I have seen is uh, the companies that are going to come out of this, the strongest are those that have already started to take that approach, mm-hmm. that uh, human-centric approach. And it's because, you know, and a lot of people have said it how you respond in times of crisis is is how you're going to be remembered mm-hmm. and with that in the back of your mind how you as a leader of your company define the health of your company it used to be the health of the company was defined by the balance sheet by the mm-hmm. finances right and so the companies that view their organizations in that regard are the first ones to slash labor. Um, They're the first ones to um, take the most drastic measures with regard to the labor force um, in order to maintain what 
financial, uh, um, you know, what financial profits and, and that they can, as opposed to more forward thinking companies that take a more human centric approach and they look at what they stand for. They look at how they want to be remembered when this is all over. They look at what they need to do in order to come back stronger in order to get through not only this crisis, but any, you know, any crisis or any uh, really just large change initiative, any uncertain economy. And so it's organizations that are that forward thinking. It's organizations that have uh, a progressive HR that has done the strategy and the analysis for uh, and the structuring of the organizations such that those organizations can uh, pivot mm-hmm. and adapt to these times. Well, I think that's where you and I, uh, there's kind of like this overlap between the way we think about this because, you know, the crisis posed by COVID right now could just as easily be a major disruption from a new technology entering a marketplace. So the need to be agile, the need to be creative, the need to be flexible and really have a workforce that is prepared and and trained and suited and kind of operating like a a well-oiled creative team. Uh, Those two things really aren't different. So you and I have oftentimes had the same views on things. You've just come at it from a much more progressive human resources side about how to do that. And um, I mean, what we really start to get at is maybe a different paradigm for leaders to be looking at how human resources functions in the hierarchy of an organization. And I know you've had some of your own thoughts about how that should be included kind of from the start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, HR uh, has always been the people function. um, But again, it's always been, you know, for the longest time, it was reactive. It was all about, okay, compliance, because we don't want to be sued. It wasn't uh, strategic or forward thinking um, until, you know, up till a couple of years ago. And I've always been an advocate for um, not only progressive HR, but um, progressive organizational structures. You know, um, I've been a proponent for more teams. I've been a proponent for more data-driven um, uh, work and workforces such that you can respond much more quickly to um, things that come up in the marketplace, whether that's a a disruptive technology that could potentially put you out of business or something like COVID-19, such that your organization can scale up and down uh, more quickly uh, in response to whatever the situation might be. Yeah. And, you know, I, there's going to be people listening to this that have a variety of reactions because some people are like, this is preaching to the choir. There's going to be people on the other end of the spectrum that are like, okay, that's great, but we're in the middle of a crisis and I, as a business leader, I'm freaking out. I don't have time for this. You know, there is always this, this urge to go into survival mode in times of a crisis. So as a, you know, an, a head of HR, how do you, you know, what, what do you really want to tell leaders in these moments about how to, how to perform, how to communicate and this kind of long-term effect on, 
you know, how they react now is going to actually have huge ramifications down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, uh, firstly, what I would tell leaders is stop, take a beat, take a minute and think about it. And I do understand there is a time constraint component here. Um, but with, uh, any, um, crisis, there is, you know, the entire suite, uh, C-suite, the executive team, the decision makers, they come around the table, they talk about, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to respond to this? Well, in that same time, in that same moment, um, we need to remember that we are going to be remembered by our actions when we come out of this, right? Um, in the last, uh, in the last maybe 10 or so years, um, five to 10 years, we have taken from marketing this idea of employer branding, right? Mm -hmm. An employee value proposition. And we're starting to see um, a lot more of that now, a lot more attention around that for companies. And this is just a point in case, you know, this crisis um, in terms of how we are going to be perceived as an organization, as a company, what we're going to stand for. And having an HR person at that table with decision makers taking a leadership role in the decision making with them as the ambassador for our people and the mandate to care for the well-being of our the people in our organization uh, it then becomes the onus of that uh, HR person, you know, the HR leader, to uh, work with the executive team to come up with a strategy for uh, how to respond to this crisis and what to do in this crisis, right? So, um, looking at your management uh, crisis management protocols, um, and if you don't have those, um, referring to scenarios, um, you know, scenario planning which I'm sure we'll get to in the course of this conversation is a more uh, progressive HR um, uh, thinking thought process. And then looking at the company's values, the company's priorities, what they stand for, and looking at the company's financial standing and saying, okay, what are our alternatives here? What are our options? Um, rather than resorting to the slash and burn approach, uh, which most companies take in times of crisis mm -hmm. um, because it is the um, it's the easiest to execute and it's yep. the one that is the quickest fix, right? Um, well, well, you really point to the one piece that um, it seems to me to be kind of this foundational bedrock aspect, which is companies who actually do know what they stand for and what their values are and are already adept at communicating that and their, their employees and their workforce knows what their values are, they probably are out ahead of the pack already in these times of crisis. But, it, you know, you and I have talked about that, you know, human resources plays this very important role in being able to reaffirm the values and also being a major communication tool to the rest of the workforce in times of crisis when, you know, boy, a CEO might really have their hands full. They might be having to make drastic financial decisions. They may. So there's this huge opportunity for human resources to 
preserve and create as much value in, in terms of a crisis and how you're going to bounce back. But for companies who have never been clear about what their values and what they stand for are, they may find themselves having to play some catch up or do a lot of damage to the organization by being hasty. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's a, it's the onus of a strategic HR uh, person if given the, if given the ownership to take the lead in that capacity, um, the onus is then on them to know um, the ins and outs of the workforce and what it is that uh, they need to do in order to um, come out of this with um, still having lived the value, still having demonstrated um, your priorities and come back stronger with a strategy for how to uh, redeploy your workforce. Do you, do you find that, you know, you, uh, sometimes we talk about like this kind of older school of HR that have more uh, classical, uh, limited, more reactive frameworks for operating and a more progressive school of human resources that really partners um, uh, kind of across different silos and has a more innovative mindset. You, know, you and I talk yeah. about human capital, like you actually have human capital resources, uh, talent talent inside of a company that actually performs different functions. So when you look at maybe a company having to pivot, well, t- uh, talk me through how some people may really botch that versus what's really available in times of a crisis for if you have somebody who's really sensitive to what human capital really can do and how that can help a company. Yeah, well, um, as you pointed out, there's two dichotomies, if you will, the traditional HR versus the progressive HR. Um, Traditional HR's response to something like this crisis would be, you know, to do what they're told, to um, slash and burn the workforce, likely in a way that is not sensitive, not personal to the individual um, versus a progressive um, HR leader who, even in the event that you do have to lay individuals off, right, you are being sensitive to their diverse situation. You are being uh, sensitive to their personal needs. And that's not to say you need to have a one-on-one conversation with each one, Mm -hmm. but you, you use your communication and collaboration tools. You use your um, department heads to, to communicate uh, what it is that you guys are doing, why you're doing it, uh, what it's going to look like, who's it's going to, who it's going to affect and really just communicate early, often and honestly being as transparent as possible um, because when you do that, you are going to get a greater buy-in from your workforce versus mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of uh, organizations. They um, again, it's that headcount, it's the the labor cost. It's you know what do we need to do to um, get through this month or this week? And it's okay. Well, let's cut this many heads this week, and let's cut this many heads uh, next month versus taking a much more thoughtful, much more 
strategic approach, a much more human approach in terms of, okay, well, who are we laying off? Why are we laying them off? What are the skills, right? What is the talent that we're going to need when we come back from this? Mm -hmm. What do we need to do to maintain those people? And then of the ones we do need to lay off, what can we provide them? What resources, what benefits um, can we offer them to ensure that they have a as smooth of a transition out of the organization or as soft of a landing as possible, right? It's really just that human connection. Um, and to give you an example, I, my, <laughs> so I won't name names, but my, um, a relative of mine was working for a hotel group mm -hmm. and she was, uh, is a GM and, in addition to being told by her superiors, okay, lay this many people off. And then the next week it was lay this many people off. And then she got a letter that said, after having to lay everybody off it, she got a letter, which is very, very impersonal, um, to that said, okay, you have an option. Take a pay cut or, you know, find another job. So it was just very uh, insensitive, yeah. not personal. Right. Um, what, you know, how difficult would it have been for her boss to get on the phone with her or get on a Skype call with her, um, and be transparent about why you're doing it, what it's going to look like, how we're going to come back from it, how you're going to make that person whole when this is all over. Um, and so it's two two very distinctly different approaches, right? Um, well, one this, is okay. how do we how, how do we save the sinking ship, yep. and the other is is how are we um, navigating forward, right? How are we uh, not only not sinking the ship, but how are we um, continuing pushing forward? Well, that that always kind of brings up, you know, we talk about resilient companies. We talk about flexibility. I talk about innovation and people like to think about it like it's a thing out there. But what we're re always really getting back to is how do you make it a more human workplace? Because, you know, if we look at pre-COVID, the uh, employee engagement numbers and millennial retention and executive burnout rates were horrendous, completely unworkable. And so when you think about uh, the example you just raised, like how do you really leave people? Do you think they're really going to be advocates and bring their best talents forward for your organization when they're treated callously? Well, they're not. So then the, you are going to be managing disaffected, unengaged, cynical, and resigned employees versus some of these more uh, human-centered workplaces where people are treated with dignity, um, they're communicated to as real human beings, you do see much higher levels of engagement. You see people staying at companies much longer. So the actual kind of brain trust or the kind of intellectual capacity uh, of having qualified people in jobs for longer expands. And in times of crisis, these are the people who suddenly do come together. They do bring their talents and their creativity and their willingness to go through some tough times together. But those two things really almost exist in two different paradigms of thinking and it sounds to me like you know especially in times of crisis this might be a little harder to start to finesse in but at the same time in times of crisis 
you know, I see some real opportunities for companies to start now. Like there's actually maybe an opportunity to write a new contract. And so I'm kind of curious what you think about, you know, what are the opportunities now, even if people think the sky is falling? Yeah, um, I think there's always opportunity um, in the darkest of times, right? And sometimes the darkest of times are the best opportunities mm -hmm. for you to demonstrate what it is that you really stand for. Um, you know, because you can you can say what you want when everything is going along fine, but uh, when times get tough um, and your people need to look to your leaders for direction and for, for that psychological safety, um, that's when you really have opportunity to, uh, demonstrate, um, what you stand for. And, uh, you know, regardless of where you are in the process of, of becoming more progressive or putting structures in place that, um, allow you to, uh, be the best version of, of yourself as a company, um, whether you're just starting out or you've been thinking about it for a while. Um, there are opportunities for you to, to start small, start with, um, one part of the organization, right? Um, you know, progressive HR, uh, they've taken from, uh, marketing, Mm -hmm. Then they took from data science, you know, and now they're taking from um, R&D and innovation in terms of design thinking and scenario planning um, in order to uh, build the best, best possible uh, plans, uh, the best possible uh, HR function such that it is able to um, Yeah, kind of like withstand all this disruption. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you and I speak the same language about it. I mean, um, you know, you and I were talking about a little bit earlier. I don't know if any company could run every scenario and come up with backup plans for every set of variables. And I think it would be hard to imagine a company having figured out exactly how they would react to a worldwide pandemic <laughs> that uh, ostensibly shuts down no, the gears of the world. But yeah. No, absolutely. And it's, it's particularly difficult when you don't know what the future holds, right? You can't right. plan for a future, right? You can't plan for a future that's volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous, right? We all know VUCA. Uh, VUCA and, uh, Actually, you might want to explain um, that just for, just for people who don't know what that means. The, the acronym. Sure. So uh, VUCA, V-U-C-A, stands for volatile, uncertain, uh, complex, and ambiguous, just meaning... Um, <laughs> you can't, you can't possibly, um, know the future. And in the time we're in now with one health crisis after another, one environment crisis after another, technology on an ever more, uh, exponential, um, uh, increase in terms of, of disruption and, and the advent of IOT and AI, um, having that, uh, in technology, you know, it has that compounding effect. Um, so what you are planning for to happen in five years is probably going to happen in three. Um, and you know, what you plan for in 
seven to 10 years is probably not going to happen at all. Um, it's going to be something completely different. And so when you're um, planning for the future, uh, it's terribly uncertain mm -hmm. and uh, it makes it incredibly difficult to um, create any real uh, plans uh, for you to um, adapt to, you know, uncertain times, right? We couldn't have, we couldn't have um, predicted what COVID-19 was going to do to us. We could have predicted that there would have been a health crisis, mm -hmm. right? Um, several scientists actually predicted it, but you can't predict the effect that it's going to have. But you can, uh, in taking from, you know, R&D and innovation and design thinking, you can come up with uh, various scenarios um, for how you might uh, respond uh, with regard to um, pivoting your business, parts of your business, mm -hmm. and how your workforce will uh, follow, how your workforce will be redeployed. Um, and you can also, uh, so that's the preparation piece. You can then also mm -hmm. go a step further and make sure that your organization is uh, prepared mentally for um, any sort of large change, right? Um, thinking, if you think about change management, uh, if you have an organization that has uh, a learning mentality, right? A learning organization, you are going to be much more prepared um, to adapt to various crises and various disruptions in the market that are going to threaten your uh, your sustainability. And so ensuring that your organization is, is uh, prepared for that with you know, the proper, uh, proper structure, proper um, values, proper uh, planning, proper um, uh, structure, right? Having remote teams that are easily deployable, right? Mm -hmm. Being data-driven is another one. Um, responding to the data and the information that's coming from the front line. Well, you've been, uh, so that, this is, here's what I've always appreciated about you. You have a very human, uh, kind of humanistic sensibility for how human resources needs to be implemented. You think in terms of systems, um, and kind of those interrelationships, but you're also uh, quite a big advocate for for applying data analytics in terms of creating more human workplaces. And you're actually involved, if I'm able to speak about this, involved in some startups that are actually doing this work right now. So um, in terms of having disruption and unforeseen consequences, obviously working from home right now is uh, a big one. And, and the having that be a permanent feature in work life. Uh, maybe I'd love to hear you speak to some of the stuff that you've already been working on and how being out ahead of this has actually just given you an access to empowering remote teams through use of data. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I talk about how the future is data determinative, determ determinative and, uh, Essentially, what that means is um, business is being more uh, driven more and more by data, and HR is not the exception, right? So we need to make sure that our HR function 
is uh, also driven by data in line with business intelligence, in line with marketing. And the way we do that is um, using not only our, our typical human capital metrics, but using people analytics and using other uh, data coming from our people in order to personalize the employee experience in order to um, build teams or to improve culture. Uh, so I am working with a technology startup right now that is building an employee voice tool. Um, they're collecting the um, responses from their workforce in order to build a better culture and a better workplace for the employees going forward. And so we're collecting that data, collecting the responses from them. We are uh, applying natural language processing, um, creating analytics such that the business leaders uh, have usable analytics um, such that they can know how to uh, move the organization forward. And so using this data um, and coming up with new creative ways to measure, again, going back to the beginning of our conversation, measure the health of the workforce mm -hmm. by uh, creating new metrics that measure people, right? Um, and measure the uh, synergy between people, right? Um, and between people in the work and between people in their leaders. And so, yes, there is a um, incredibly uh, big mandate right now for HR to be more data centric. Um, in particular, if you want to, uh, you know, come out of this unscathed, and if you want to be ever successful uh, in the future with technology being uh, creating so many data points, right? Uh, the internet of things, um, people are going to have uh, so much, uh, such an incremental part to play in the health of the workforce, in the health of the company, and the course of the company uh, going forward. Well, I noticed this one, uh, this is something I heard uh, just this week, and it, it gets in Actually, it might have been from you. Um, right now, we have all these people working from home. Now, if I'm a leader of a company, it would be really rather difficult to have my finger on the pulse of how my employees are doing. Are they even? And right now, we're having a huge increase of people with uh, psychosomatic symptoms, uh, anxiety, depression, just the mental well being of the workforce is being really challenged in these new circumstances. So, I've heard of different uh, kinds of technology being used to do email analytics, voice analytics, so that leaders of companies could actually get a sense of, you know, how are my people doing working at home? Where might I, who might I need to call to check in on them? Because it would be really relatively hard to imagine a team functioning really well if you're seeing that, you know, 25% of your workforce is actually dealing with heightened anxiety and depression and you're and you don't know that as a leader. So I, when I we talk about data, it tends to depersonalize things, but you've really been an advocate for it, actually forging uh, more meaningful human 
understandings in companies. Yeah, um, and I think it's important to note that any technology could be used for good or bad. And the same goes for data, right? right? You can use you can use data to target people, to punish people, right? Or you can use data to personalize experience. And yes, a lot of technologies that are um, enabling us to do things like work remotely, work from home, are also exacerbating um, mental health issues, right? making us feel more isolated. And so it is incredibly important to, um, when you're deciding to whether to work remotely or not, and keeping in mind that working remotely in the future of work is not the same thing as working from home in a crisis, right? Right. Um, because working from home in a crisis, you have your family who may or may, you know, your kids may or may not be in school. Uh, your partner may or may not be employed. Um, so there's a number of uh, issues in the current crisis right. um, that don't equate to working remotely. But even in the event of of working remotely, right? Let's say we come out of this crisis, things go back to a new normal. Um, not everybody is suited for working remotely. So taking a human approach that looks at individuals, right? They're their personalities, their communication style, their preferred management style, or how they prefer to be managed, and customizing your, you know, your new future workplace, um, whether that's pop-in offices, remote offices, you know, WeWork style offices, or um, working from home. It's making sure that you are enabling your people to to do the best work they can and forcing somebody to work from home or to work remotely when they are you know they prize affiliation and camaraderie over uh over independence right over autonomy um you're going to only exacerbate the problem so getting personal getting human understanding what makes your workforce tick what each person uh, needs in order to do their best work and providing that. Well, and that's, you kind of really end up pointing to a kind of different conversation that leadership is going to have to have in this kind of new world. Uh, Just there's a kind of a base level of education and, and um, even in educating the individual about themselves and how to even navigate these topics, because you will, you know, we're all dealing with the short-term impacts of this crisis, but we will be entering back into a really mixed picture. And so I think, uh, you know, HR being one of those functions that can really be a force to educate people about the various challenges and opportunities. And, um, you know, I'm a big fan of personal development and the different personality uh, tests that are out there, but for people to even know where they fall in that spectrum and knowing that they're not like everybody else and different people have different tendencies and well, how are we going to create a workplace that takes all that into account? And I think there's a huge, for some people who want to come up with the right answer and the right system and figure all that out and then come up with a system that they can implement will probably be hard pressed to find an elegant solution 
But when you talk about creating human workplaces, it really means engaging people in these conversations and questions so that they are part of the process. And I think that that's where, you know, somebody who leads workshops and I'm trying to take this all online, you know, there are limitations to that. And yet, you, it, once you start interacting with people and eliciting their feedback, suddenly you include them in the process. And that's actually, for me, one of the fundamentals to building one of these great company cultures. Yeah, and I think there's a misconception that you can't be technology uh, dependent or technology savvy and still be human at the same time. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's wrong. I think, you know, again, using technology for the right reasons can help you to um, customize and personalize, um, create a more human experience for your workforce. And uh, to your point about picking a solution that is uh, best for companies, um, my recommendation is almost always um, not to pick an off-the-shelf solution. It's mm-hmm. to sit down with a, a strategic HR, you know, your strategic HR uh, person, um, and look at your strategy, look at your values. What is it that you, uh, want, what is it you stand for? What is it you're trying to accomplish? What is the work you're doing and how can you, um, what technologies do you need to bring on to move that forward? And what's good for one is not good for all, right? Remote working is not good for everybody. Um, so really looking at, uh, the work you're doing and the people you have in your workforce in order to, um, customize and personalize that experience, um, such that it is, uh, uh, human experience and that you are creating a, a human, um, oriented workplace. Yeah. You know, I've been giving this some thought too. It's like, where do you start? Well, it's probably going to be different for every different organization, depending on where they are. I feel that, you know, I talk to leaders right now and there's so many challenges that would stress a person out, which is understandable. What I really see is also a huge opening right now, which is we've all been kind of thrust into, maybe it's a period of reflecting on what's really important to us or realigning ourselves or having what was there and stable before suddenly be irrelevant or taken away. When it comes to organizations, what I see is this opportunity now to start, it might be for some companies, the the opportunity to start actually asking the questions, well, what's important to us? What do we really stand for? What are our values? And so for me, from a strategy position, I would actually start there and then really start to, how do you communicate that out to a workforce that we're taking this time to, become the kind of company we want to become and then start to roll out. Here's how we're going to start to accomplish that. Now that's not going to happen without some facilitation and some strategy by people in innovation, HR, marketing, internal communications, all these people who are kind of looking at that systemically. Um, And so you know, do you see what are, what would you say are some of the best steps forward if a company finds themselves just really shaken up right now? Yeah, I agree with you in terms of starting with strategy. Um, you know, the 
the future of HR is going to be much more, um, much more human as well um, with technology automating a lot of the lower level tasks, right? Um, leading Ad administration stuff. Yeah, exactly. That. Administration, payroll, the things that they're already doing now, but even more so. Um, leaving, you know, the HR personnel that are left um, in more of a, a uh, some of them are going to be uh, coaches, you know, some of them may have clinical backgrounds, some of them are going to be um, learning and development, right, specialists, but it, they're all going to be very much more um, human centric, right? Mm -hmm. How are, what do we need to do? Um, to get our workforce and our company um, from here to there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it starts with strategy. Um, you can, and I'm going to get pushback on this probably, but uh, the expression, you know, a lot of HR people believe that, you know, you put uh, humans before anything else. And I believe humans come before a lot. I believe humans certainly come before profit. Um, humans, there has to be a human-centric approach, right? Um, but you start with your strategy. Your strategy um, helps you decide what people you need, what skills you need. Are you going to bring on technology to uh, perform the task or are you going to bring on people? So sitting down with, uh, as you mentioned, sitting down with your strategic HR personnel, sit, sitting down with your head of uh uh, IT technology, sitting down with, if you have um, CIO um, or somebody that's very uh, data-centric, uh, separate from the, you know, technology uh, person, and coming up with uh, your strategy for how you're going to respond going forward um, in, in the event of any sort of major shift in either the uh, business space or the political space or, you know, the health space um, so that you are prepared for any, any crisis or any major shift. Um, and it really just starts with sitting down with those leaders. Uh, if you come up with a strategy, test it in, you know, a small part of the business, start somewhere, but start, you know, just start. <laughs> and, uh, and, test it, see how it goes and iterate. And, you know, because that is, that is uh, part of being an agile organization. And I know you can uh, speak to this, but um, iterating, learning um, as you move forward mm -hmm. um, such that you are incredibly agile and in incredibly responsive. Right. Well, yeah. And that's, this is, it's an ambiguous answer, but it really, you know, in my own experience and, and in your experience too, there's a lot of ways to approach things. But as you pointed to before, some people really want this like plug and play, ready, ready package thing. And then it's imposed onto a certain situation or set of circumstances that might not be a match for it. But we just paid half a million dollars for this, so we have to use it. Whereas... When you have that human sensibility, whether it's in innovation, HR, and marketing, you start to learn to listen for what's needed. So when I, I know when a lot of my strategy work is actually, you know, we might have 10 options, but 
you also have a lot of political considerations. You have a lot of other variables. There are certain entry points and pilot programs to run and ways to test things that are going to be ideal for this unique set of circumstances. Well, how do you figure that out? That's why it's so imperative to have people with that human sensitivity and sensibility and ability to find out how people are. Because right now, um, you know, I'm, I'm working with a couple different clients where they're having to really reorganize how their entire business works. And boy, there's a lot of people who are not comfortable with rapid change. So, you know, there's a dozen things we could do, all of which need to get done. But where do you start? Well, you start with the easy wins. You start where you don't have huge political obstacles, where you're not going to cause even more disruption. And unless you know where those are, it's going to be hard to implement some of these big changes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you start small, start in one part of the business, get momentum going um, as, as people throughout the business see that it works and it has a positive impact. You gain buy-in and that momentum builds and builds. Um, with some failures along the way too, like, you know, you actually have to create a condition where, you know, we might not nail it every time and give people freedom to iterate and, and, and continue to let this thing evolve. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, look, I know, uh, there's so many of these topics we've brought up in this conversation. You've actually done articles and, and writings that go into some of these deeper. I, I know we tried to jam quite a bit into this conversation if people want to uh, contact you or go deeper into some of your articles that you've written on this stuff, wh where can they reach you? Sure. My website is humanlabsinc.com. And they can also reach me on my uh, LinkedIn at Hassan Green. Okay. I'm going to spell both of those just so people have it here. So human is H-U-M-I-N-T labs.com. Yep. H-U-M-I-N-T-L-A-B-S-I-N-C. And you are H-A-S-O-N, green with an E at the end. You can find him on LinkedIn. And Hassan, thanks so much for taking the time to be on here. And uh, hopefully this is just the beginning of more fruitful conversations. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Of course. If you'd like to learn more about our workshops or consulting and innovation strategy services, please visit us at evolutionofinnovation.com or email us at hello at evolutionofinnovation.com dot com.